Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Welcome to the Axiom Theatre Podcast. In this mini episode, we bring you a very special treat. Poet Luke Wright talks about his writing process and his friend shows what I learned from Johnny Bevan and Stay at Home Dandy. Make sure you stay until the end where Luke reads us one of his pieces called Alice. Uh, hello, my name is Luke Wright. Um, I would describe myself as a poet, but this year I've written my uh, first play. Uh, I guess it is a play. It's, uh, people appear accepting that. I mean, it's, for me, really, the process of writing it was like writing a very, very long narrative poem because uh, it's all in verse. In fact, I keep getting reviews saying... Oh, it's, it's part in verse, part not. It's, it's all in verse. It's just, it's just that the beauty of blank verse is that you can make it seem very um, sort of, uh, uh, yeah, every, you know, prosaic, really, um, which is necessary at some points because you need something a bit more sort of realistic, and that's what I do. So I guess I'm, I'm a poet and a playwright now. <laughs> Sounds a bit grand. I'm not sure I'm ready to do, call myself that yet. I saw that written, someone wrote that the other day, and I, I felt that felt a bit, a bit strange. But yeah, I think it will be the start of more playwriting. Definitely. Um, the thrill I've got from doing what I learned from Johnny Bevan is, uh, is second to none. I think doing something at a piece, and I, I was just uh, I was introducing Kate Tempest at the book festival last night, and she's done a reading from a book, Hold Your Own, which is a series of, sort of yeah, kind of connected poems, definitely a strong theme going through the, the book. And uh, she decided rather than read them and chat in between, she would, just re- she would glue them all together. And it's so much more impressive and effective as, as, a, as a piece of theatre. And I think really, essentially, if you're... Well, I mean, yeah. OK, so like, I'm doing this other show called what? Um, Stay at Home Dandy. Um, and it's my best poetry show to date. I really like it. It's great fun. And there's a lot to be said for someone chatting away to an audience, making jokes, doing some poems. But I don't know, maybe I feel like it's kind of somewhere... That's somewhere in between stand-up and theatre, and people a lot of like that mix. They really do, you know. Um, but but when you just do the, the single poem for an hour, it feels so pure and right. It really excites me, and so I think yes, I think definitely I'm going to go home and I think I'm, I'm going to write a few poems because I, I, I need to write some poems because I, I haven't really, you know, that's still my bread and butter and I haven't written it for a while and it'd be good to do that. But really, um, yeah, I want to write another play. When I was doing my early poetry shows, James Grieve used to direct me and we had a script. I used to script all the bits in between. Um, and I had real trouble learning those. I used to really struggle on learning those because it wasn't, wasn't in verse. Poems is fine a bit. And I don't, I don't write poetry shows like that anymore. I, I write poetry shows on stage. So I take the poems on stage and I make up introductions as I go along, find out what works, you know, get a good audience, you can really lean on them, and, you know. And so, so it's all ad-libbed. So now it's much the same every night now because it's, you know, the, the poetry show I've been running all year. But it's all written on stage, which is a very exciting thing to do. I, I mean, I really, I, yeah, I really do enjoy that. I really enjoy coming up with introductions on stage, finding where the laugh puts up. I was talking to Paul Sinar about this, the stand-up, and he was saying, yeah, because it's not stand-up what you do, is it? And I said, no, it's not. I think there's an artifice to stand-up that there perhaps isn't to introductions to the poems. So you're very honest about poetry gig, because you come on stage and you go... Oh hello! I'm going to read you some poems, and this poem is about such and such. And you, you know, and you might, you know, 
um, you know, go off on tangents and stuff, but essentially you are introducing poems. There are a couple of moments in my show which feel a bit more like stand-up, but without the poems there, they kind of, this feels a bit weird. Um, to most people, it, it's a stand-up, you know, it's a man standing on stage making funnies, you know, uh, but I think, I think it's integrally linked to those, those poems, and I, I wonder what it'd be like if I try and took some of those ideas on, on stage. Yeah, it might work, but they'd have to be differently framed, and I think yeah. framing is really, really important. There's a sort of dishonesty to stand up in a way because you're coming on stage, I mean, less so when you've got these sort of more complex sort of narrative driven shows, but essentially you come on stage and what's not acknowledged is that they are there to laugh and you are there to make them laugh. But, but you know, this idea this is, this is like, oh, this has just occurred to me. And there's a suspension of disbelief where I, I think that's quite the same poetry because this, you know, people know it's a pre written poem, you know. Uh, and then the introductions feel genuinely more spontaneous than that. You know? So Tracy's a totally made up story. You know, I was driving to the Dartford Toll one, one day and I saw this woman sitting in the toll booth and I, I, I just, it wasn't really, even her, it was more like, um, uh, you know, I wanted to write about a, a toll area. Because when you stop at the motorway and you look around you, you realise how massive it is. It's this huge space, just, just, just in width-wise it's massive. And you're like, there's this, this like a non-space, it's such a hostile environment for a human being. And it's really hit home when you when you stop in there. It's in fun when you're going at speed. Um, so it's really strange. It's so it's so desolate. It's so isolated. Very desolate. Yeah. It's really in, in, that, in that respect really really poetic as well. Yeah. Like, so I, I really wanted to write about a toll booth, and then like, you know because because I like alliteration. It became Tracy in the toll booth, and then um, you know I started to imagine her for about you know for a year that just sat in my notebook. Tracy toll booth toll booth Tracy. Um, in fact, I call her Tollbooth Tracy at first. So I think obviously I was planning something a little bit sort of lighter, maybe. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I just started writing because I had to do a commission for something, I think for homework. I can't remember what, I can't remember what the theme was now, but that was my homework poem. Um, and uh, yeah, and then it, as I was writing it, you know, the, 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 the mum and the alcoholism sort of came into it really. Because once you have a sort of strong sense of a character, even just a glimpse of them, and then, then the story comes from there. There's a lovely um, Virginia Woolf speech she gives um, called Mr. Bennett and Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Mr. Bennett and Mrs. Brown. So she's talking about the difference between what her and Joyce and people like that, although she doesn't really like Joyce. She describes Joyce as a man who feels that in order, in order to breathe, he must first smash all the windows. <laughs> um, but she talks about this, 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 um, this desire to sort of explore, explore the, the psyche of characters, whereas, um, you know, Arnold... Arnold Arnold Bennett, I think it is, you know, Victorian writers would say, this is Mr. So-and-so, and they describe his house and his belongings and his wife, not, not what's in his mind. Um, and she describes her ideal characters as Mrs. Brown, and she's chasing Mrs. Brown through, through you know, a shopping precinct. But, you know, you know or through a railway station or through the streets, and she's just trying to grab a hold of her. Because once she grabs a hold of her, then the character will come to her. And, and, that, that, and that's true not only of characters, but just of simple bits of writing. I just get a sense of a poem, and I can just reel it in from there. Um, and um, that was certainly the case with Tracy. I just had the sense of what she was going to be like. Uh, and yes, some people, people, are, I, I, you know, obviously people have met before that in some way. But you just sort of take little bits. You almost subconsciously are taking little bits and put them together. I'm going to read you a bit of Alice. I'm going to read you Alice. So this is a poem that almost made it into uh, <sighs> Stay at Home Dandy and didn't for whatever reason. I can't think why I didn't. I think it's just Stay at Home Dandy, it's pretty long already. Um, and it's about a woman who, um, uh, she's got a young baby and uh, she's, um, you know, she's losing a grip, really. 
It seems he's always late these days. He races off, he stays away. It seems he's always late, he's always late, he's always late. Her baby came in summertime, the suck and coo in early June, and life, the bills, the work, the stress, became an endless afternoon of kissing, feeding, washing, changing, at the beck of whimpered whims, and Alice in this dreamlike lilt deferred to him. She followed him. Let's move, my love. The life we dream, let's leave this smog, this housing scheme, this city shouts, this rat-a-tat, let's find a sleepy cul-de-sac. Now Alice wanders croquet lawns, hears footsteps of the chequered hall, their things, their life won't fill this space, now everything she is feels small. His mother comes to help and fuss, the pristine queen of village life, she tidies things and clinks and sings, she proffers tarts and tart advice, and Alice, falling through her dreams in half-sleep, sees him choosing ties, but when she wakes he's never there, it's silent save the baby's cries, it seems he's always late these days, he races off, he stays away, it seems he's always late, he's late, he's late, he's late, he's late, and what to do but watch this thing, and catch her sleep and sit and slim as baby's tears become a lake and Alice tries her best to swim then dry her mind with radio and daytime tellies tit for tat they eat me drink me who are you oh that's the greatest puzzle that and Alice knew she knew her life she gave herself such good advice but cast adrift in time and wealth it's queer she doesn't know herself but still he's late, he's late these days, he races off, he stays away, it seems he's always late, he's late, he's late, he's late, he's late, and Alice reads, and Alice cooks, and Alice eats, and Alice sews, and Alice feeds, and Alice coos, and Alice cries, and Alice goes to rhyme time, playgroup, baby space, a throng of women in her face, it's mothers, mothers, never dads, a clinking tea time, loud and mad, they gather round, all kind of mumsy, Alice feels huge and clumsy, children and their toxic fumes, there isn't room, there isn't room, she's not a thing, a thing to say, it sounds so sharp, the rooms are Sway her nerves, recoil her senses, pray she has to take her baby, take her baby, take her baby far, 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 far away. And still he's late, he's late these days. He races off, he stays away. It seems he's always late, he's late, he's late, he's late, he's late, he's eat me, drink me. Who are you? The tick-tocks of the kitchen clock invade her thoughts and stop her talk. Her keys no longer fit the lock. Her baby's weeps, seep into sleep, and nightshine shadows slowly creep until it snuffles, squeals, and swines. Its mouth's a snout. My babe's a swine. My babe, my baby's run away. He rushes off, he never stays, the queen is here Still he's late, a baby cries, another lake Oh, eat me, drink me, eat me, drink A thought's filled, so she cannot think Oh, eat me, drink me, eat me, drink A thought's filled, so she cannot think Oh, eat me, drink me, eat me, drink The queen is talking, certain lead She's miles high, near two miles high She's off her head, she's off her head She's off, she's off, she's off her head And still he's late, he's late today he never comes, he stays away, he's always late, forever late, he's 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 late. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with another Fringe First Timer next time. Until then, go to axiomagazine.com or follow at Theatre Magazine on Twitter. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.